0: Hey Sans how y'all doing? It's Jorgen Sandberg here with the Employer Branding Podcast by Link Humans, London's Employer Branding Agency. This week, EVP and Employer Brand. How do they work together? What's the role of research in employment brand projects? Why is it time to reset your approach to talent attraction? All shall be revealed in this week's expert interview. Let's start the show. Susan Lamont, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: Very good, thank you. Please tell our listeners who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. So I am the CEO and Principal Employer Brand Strategist for Exacquio. And we are an employer brand experience firm. We build, develop, grow and activate employer brands and talent strategies from start to finish.
0: Great. And I recently read an article of yours called Rethinking EVP and Employer Brand Reset Your Approach. Can you um, tell us why we need to reset the approach?
1: So I think one of the biggest challenges with EVP and employer brand is that they are interchangeable terms Mm. and a lot of organizations see EVP and employer brand as the same thing and they describe them as the same thing. But traditionally, if you look back to value proposition um, in its most nascent form from consumer marketing, it's different from the brand. So what I do when talking to to clients is challenge them to think differently as to what an EVP is versus an employer brand is. So the way that we break it down is we believe that your EVP is the sum of all of the themes that you have to offer. Um, of your value proposition in your organization. So if you were to ask your employees across the board what they value in their employment experience with you, your EVP is the sum of those themes. It's essentially the collection of here's what we can offer you as an employer to work here. The brand, however, is a subcategory of that. What I mean by that is you want to then look at all of those themes and determine, okay, we can't sell all of these things, but here's what we should hang our hat on. And I'll give you a a really good example that I often use. Mm. When the iPhone was developed, the engineers went to the marketing team and said, hey, this is a cool new product. It can do these 50 things. And engineers know that. They can list all of the features and technicalities of a product. But it's the marketer's job to then turn around and look at their competitors, look at their customers and what their goals are for sales to determine of all of those things that are cool about the product, what should they sell? You'll never see a commercial advertising 50 different things. So if we take that and we apply it to employer brand... And we think about all of the great things about working for an organization. Then we look at our customers, our employees and our candidates, and we look at the research and we look at our competitors, our competitors for talent. Then we can determine of all of these things that we offer, what do we most want to hang our hat on to differentiate ourselves and to drive our talent and business goals.
0: So just to clarify, I think you mentioned that a brand is a subset of the EVP. Did you mean the activity of, of branding or the whole brand itself?
1: The whole brand itself. Your employer brand should be a subset of your EVP because you can't sell everything that's great about your value proposition. That The value proposition should be used to help to continue to retain your employees. It should be used to evaluate, are these the things that we want to invest in? To make our employees happy, to keep our employment experience strong, but when you go to actually sell it, when you're branding it, you want to choose a subset of those things—the things you most want to hang your hat on.
0: So that's interesting because, uh, to me, sort of historically, what uh, what I've sort of learned is the other way around. So there is there is the brand, whether that's a consumer brand or employer brand or overall brand, but then there's the value proposition, which is. Um, used in communicating that brand. So I've got you know, it. I, well.
1: I think that's part of the challenge, right? It's there's so many different ways that you can describe it or think about it. Yeah. Um, and value proposition on the marketing side is used in a number of different ways as well. When you think about the the definition, for example, of a CVP or a customer value proposition, it's one statement that says, here's why a customer should buy your product. But when you think about value proposition overall, it's what you bring. It's the benefits, the quantified value of a particular product or service. So what we believe a better way to describe, think about, and manage the way you market yourself as a place to work is to start first with your value proposition, understand all of the things that you have to offer, and then choose of those things what you want to market, what you want to sell, because you can't sell everything.
0: Okay, because yeah, I would probably flip it in terms of, I would say that the employer brand is something that you can't really control. That, that's the the whole everyone's opinion and uh, perception of your employment experience in a way, Uh, whereas the EVP is something that you can actually define and you bring that into uh, a number of pillars and something that you can actually then communicate. So, yeah, I mean, I agree that EVP and employer brand is not the same thing, but to me, the EVP is something a bit more tangible. But it sounds to you like it's, it's the opposite.
1: Well, think about it this way. If it, w- if it was the opposite, if the brand was something you couldn't control, why would marketers spend billions of dollars every year branding and marketing their products? You can't control it completely, that's for sure, but you can decide what you're going to focus on of the experience. Mm -hmm. So if you look at a car commercial, for example, that car company has to decide in the commercial, are they selling speed? Are they selling the engineering? Are they selling the driving experience? Are they selling the cool sunroof that's new to this model that no other model has ever had? That's what they're deciding to brand or market. So when you think about brand as the overall concept, yes, you you can't have complete control over it for sure. Um, that's part of the world in which we work and live. But when you think about the verb to brand something, we're building our employer brand to put it into the marketplace, that's an actual activity, right? That's something you Mm. have control over is what you market. And to me, that's the biggest mistake organizations are making right now. They're not being strategic about the specific things that they want to brand and market. They're just going out there and telling a story. They're sharing so much information that it's not clear exactly what they're hanging their hat on. There are very few organizations that do a really good job of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because uh, uh, I spoke to Simon Barrow the the other month who uh, came up with the whole employer brand concept. And Mm -hmm. to him, employer brand is something very different to employer branding. He even says employer Mm -hmm. branding to him is is a problem because he sees it as just simply advertising, marketing, activation. But the the really important bit is to to get the employer brand right. So I think we're... We're in agreement here, we just have slightly different terminology, so it's really to get the, the uh, front-end strategy right. Um, so, you guys put a lot of emphasis on research. How would you, What's your methodology for this? How is it best conducted?
1: So we look at our research as essential to building, to uncovering the EVP and then ultimately building your employer brand. The reason that we see research as essential is because right now I think many employer brands are built in boardrooms and Mm -hmm. they're built based on assumptions. I've worked at organization A for a really long time. I know the employees well and how they feel and what they want. I know what it's like to work here. But the challenge is that any individual who even makes it to a boardroom is not representative of the typical employee. And he or she, even if they started at a front line or they started at that level, they're never truly going to understand what it's like to work there for the average employee right now. And so that's why the research is so important because it not only supports assumptions that you may have, but it also dispels those myths or assumptions that you have too. And that way you can make sure that as you're building your brand and you're marketing it, that you're actually communicating the authentic experience rather than what you're assuming that it is from the boardroom, from the ivory tower. So that's the reason we do research Our methodology also takes into account that research shouldn't just be about the workplace. Research should be about the entire person. You bring your whole self to work. I wrote an article about that for Harvard Business Review. We have a model called the whole self model. And the research that we do looks at the entirety of the person, who they are, what they value, what kind of relationships they have. And how that impacts the kind of employment experience they want, the kind of employment experience that they're successful in, and how to find people that best can be productive and engaged in your kind of environment and culture. So it's not necessarily about culture fit, but it's more about what your employment experience is really like and finding people who thrive in that culture and experience. And research is the best way to uncover it so you truly know what's happening how people behave and how work gets done.
0: So you're kind of saying that you map out sort of the personas of people who would thrive in that sort of culture and that sort of uh, experience uh, environment. Is that correct?
1: So we don't map out personas. Um, we see personas as something different. Always uh-huh. happy to talk a little bit about that. What we do is we go out to um, – a representative sample of the workforce. And we have our clients help us choose the right people to participate in the research. There's two things we do. First, we focus on their high or uh, good performers, Mm. the people that they would like to replicate. So typically the A, B plus players, those individuals who are performing well, that they say, we want more of these kinds of employees. Um, That's the first step. The second step is to help them. um, We use a talent profile to help them ensure that there's a diverse mix in all of our research activities. And diverse, of course, means gender and ethnicity, but it also means age, tenure. It means location, function, level. Um, So we use all of these elements to find the right people to participate in the research activities. And then we start first with a foundation or a baseline. We look for the common themes across all of our research um, set, the common themes from all of those employees. You don't want to look for individual personas or common themes among subset of employees yet because Mm -hmm. your brand has to have a baseline. It has to represent the entirety of the employment experience first. Then we'll look at data for a specific area. So for example, we had one global client where we did an analysis of the research across the company, then we look specifically at just the data we collected in China to see where the commonalities and where the differences are. That allows you to have an employer brand that resonates globally, but then also when you go to market, when you go to execute and activate that brand, you can adjust it to best resonate in a particular, in this case, local geo market.
0: Yes. Okay. Great. Thanks for clarifying that. I was just thinking about the diversity question there because if um, yeah, if you single out high performers, the I guess the risk is that they will be from a from a single yeah, um, to say, single type of similar group, uh, mm-hmm. just like you know you look at founders from tech companies and they just say okay, we want more of this, and then in the end everyone looks the same and thinks the same, which is not good for the organization. Right. So where would be the best place to start? Obviously, you've got a long methodology, but if someone is um, an employee brand manager sitting in their office thinking, hmm, where should, I, where should I start tomorrow?
1: So the first thing to do is see if there's any data that you have already. Um, you always want to start there. And you know, most organizations have some sort of quantitative data to start with, whether it's engagement survey data, yep. employee SAT surveys, um, or maybe focus groups you've already done. Then, look for where the gaps are. Do you have data from all populations? We were recently working with a client who had data from management levels, but not from frontline staff. And so it's difficult to build an employer brand just based on that. You want to make sure it's representative of the whole organization. The next thing to do is to look and see if your data also includes qualitative research. It's important to have both quantitative engagement surveys tell a good story, but they don't tell the whole story because in an engagement survey, you can't ask why you can find out if someone's unengaged. The comments can give you a sense of their level of disengagement, but you can't necessarily get to the root cause without asking the why question. That's why focus groups are so important in consumer marketing. You can know, for example, that your target audience doesn't like the handle of the vacuum that you've just you've just invented but you may not know why they don't like the handle or you may not know how to make it better until you actually talk to them or you see them in practice so including qualitative or ethnographic research can be really helpful in making sure you get the full picture and then the last thing if you have budget i strongly encourage organizations to find an unbiased partner to help them collect the data Employees are always going to be more honest if they're asked this information off-site. So if they're not on company property, Mm -hmm. they're off property, they're in a comfortable place out of the work environment. And then they're also going to be more comfortable if there's no managers, leaders, or human resources uh, employees present. I mean, you would be, Jorgen, surprised at the amount of data we're able to uncover from employees because we make them comfortable. We put them in a comfortable environment. We're able to help them feel like they can trust us. And we also make sure that they know the level of confidentiality. So we actually don't allow our clients to see our raw data. And we tell, we make sure that we tell um, the research participants that. We say, you can't see... That, that your company is not going to be able to see the raw data because um, we want to make sure you feel comfortable to be open and you trust us today. And that just opens the floodgates for the amount of emotion that we get. <laughs> That's where the real brand is. It's in that emotion.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and um, what are some of the pitfalls that uh, employer brand managers should uh, look out for?
1: One thing they should look out for is what I call the vanilla employer brand. Mm. So they get all of this great data. They're able to dig in and uncover the authentic, real experience. Then they start summarizing it into a summary statement or into those themes or pillars that are part of their brand. And they start sharing it with leaders. All of a sudden, leaders start saying, "Mm, I don't like that word. Or uh, one very common thing we hear is, I don't think we should really sell that we have good work-life balance because we're going to attract lazy people. Or they might try to weave in things that are important to have but that aren't actually part of the employment experience. We had a client one time where one of the executives said, you know, there's no mention of diversity here. And the reason there was no mention of diversity is because that wasn't a strength of the organization. And so if you start um, kind of dumbing down the brand or making it vanilla, all of a sudden you sound like everyone else and you're not reflective of your own employment experience. And then you're becoming that, you're looking at just those vanilla terms of, we want top talent, we want to be a best in class employer. Instead, be true to yourself. If there are things as an employer that you want to be and you want to be able to brand as part of the employment experience, you better make sure they exist first. And if they don't, work on elevating or evolving your culture to help those exist and focus on the reality of the employment brand experience at this point.
0: Yeah, absolutely agreed. And uh, I think uh, uh, an, an example that's brought up many times on this podcast is Netflix, who are really taking a stand saying, yeah, we're really high performance culture. We, you know, you're know, you going to work really hard in return. We're going to reward you well and uh, you can have as much uh, vacation as as you like. But this is us. This is water and all, and um, yeah, really taking a stand, which I think is really powerful. I think one mm-hmm. of, one of the challenges there is that HR, by definition or by, by historical measures, is uh, you know working more towards compliance and perhaps risk averse. So I think it's. Uh, I, do you agree that it could be hard to find people working in in HR who. Are willing to take those risks and, and and stand out?
1: I don't necessarily think it's HR where we can't find the people. It's typically executives. Really? it's mm. Yeah, it's, it's typically leaders who are nervous to put the real brand out there because of the reaction they might get. A couple of years ago, you may remember there was a scathing article about Jeff Bezos and Amazon
0: yep. and the
1: Amazon workplace. And what Jeff Bezos did, quite frankly, was brilliant. He went back out and said, Yes, this is what it's like to work at Amazon. It is hard. It is grueling. If you're looking for a nine-to-five job, this isn't the place. If you don't want to be challenged, if you don't like conflict, don't come here. And very few leaders are willing to embrace that authenticity or honesty for fear that they're going to drive that quote-unquote top talent away. Every time someone says to me, we want to become an employer of choice, I cringe. And my, my question in response to that is, okay, who do you want to be an employer of choice for? Because you don't want everyone to come work for you because you're a different kind of organization. It's just like when we think about our spouses or partners, you can't marry everyone. You wouldn't be a a good match. Instead, there are certain people that you think to yourself, I'm a great match with this person and other people that you think, you know what, that's a really nice guy, but I don't think he and I would do well if we were married. It's yeah. the same thing. It's it's all about the relationship that you have. And that's exactly what employment is. Employment is a relationship.
0: Yeah, great. And I think Jeff Bezos is such a great example. I mean, he's the guy that came up with, uh, was it your your brand is what people say when you're not in the room? That, mm-hmm. plus there's memo he sent out, plus the two-piece rule. I mean, he's he's got some serious contributions to uh, company culture there. Now, if we look beyond uh, Amazon and uh, Netflix, what other companies do you think are getting it right and that our listeners should be checking out?
1: Well, I have to give a shout out to my former employer, Marriott. Um, Mm -hmm. Lance Bloomberg, who leads employer brand over there, has done a masterful job along with Jessica Lee, Denise Feldman, and and some other leaders in the employer brand space um, to really evolve the Marriott career experience. They still use Find Your World as their employer brand, but what they've done, um, that becomes um, a a brand line, if you will, an anchor brand line. What they've done is they've recently relaunched a new site, um, a new career site that's really focused on the journey, and they're very clear about what it means. So in hospitality, you can go work for a really small boutique hotel, you can work for a medium sized company, or you can work for a really large hotel company like Marriott, especially with the recent acquisition of Starwood. And so what Marriott has done from an employer brand perspective is they've messaged this idea of opportunity. So what do you see when you go to careers.marriott.com? You see, here's to the journey. And it's very much focused, the very next line you see is, to making your own way. And when you think about that, you think about a brand with so many options. They have so many individual hotel brands in their portfolios. It really is about making your way and making your choice. Another brand I'll call out is Princeton University. Um, Mm. Princeton recently launched their very first employer brand, um, and you can find it at careers.princeton.edu. Princeton University is the number one ranked university in the United States. Um, they have an incredibly long hundreds of years of tradition, and one of the things that they struggled with was how to attract talent um, to a university with such tradition, but perhaps with some stereotype with some stereotypes that are no longer true. Princeton also is based in in Princeton, New Jersey. Um, they're in the midst of pharmaceutical country. A lot of their employee, a lot of their um, Uh, Talent um, competitors are big pharma companies that can offer a lot of benefits and perks that you can't get from a nonprofit educational institution. And so Princeton, um, with our help, in fact, developed the brand more impact than you can imagine. And the resulting employer brand and creative assets are focused on the marriage between old and new. So you'll see a bit of the tradition through some of the creative elements, but you'll also get a more modern, honest feel. They're very clear about what they have to offer. And they're very much focused on they. the employment experience truly is about impact. If that is what is most important to you, making an impact and being a part of a mission, then Princeton is the place for you. And that's where what they have positioned or hung their hat on and done so really well. And I commend them for taking the risk to do so. Because um nonprofits in particular are historically known for not only planning to sell everything rather than being really clear and saying, you may not make the big dollars that you're going to make at big pharma, but here you're part of a mission. You're part yeah. of a bigger community. Um they use the words to make an impact bigger than oneself. And I think that's really powerful.
0: Yeah, I think you can't beat uh, you know, a higher purpose with with any Any reward scheme in the world. So if if people buy into the mission, then that's, uh, you're always going to win for sure. I mean, look at like Elon Musk, for instance, and his companies.
1: Yeah, for sure. I would say though that mission and higher purpose isn't what everybody values. So to me, that's the beauty of an honest employer brand. If you're someone who's just starting your career, you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans to pay off if you're based here in the U.S., for example, or if you um, are someone who doesn't have the ability, maybe you're a single parent and you absolutely need to make the highest wage that you can to support your your family, then you have to deprioritize perhaps mission-driven because you have to be more focused on compensation or benefits, for example. So that's why I push clients to prioritize and be really overt and commit to what they want to hang their hat on, because then they're not going to waste time with candidates that um, are not going to be a match, that are not going to have that successful relationship with their brand or with the employment experience.
0: Yeah, good point. Get them to opt out themselves for sure. Now, i got Mm -hmm. to ask you, Susan, is it employment brand or is it employer brand? (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's a, a long-held debate. Yeah. And I'll be honest, when it comes to SEO, I use both terms because I know no one has really um, made the definitive answer in the market. So you'll actually see both on my LinkedIn profile. Um, we here at Exaquio default to employer brands. And here's why. It's really about um, the experience you have working for that employer at the end of the day, the relationship is with the employer. And um, while in, you know, many countries around the world and many states here in the US, it's an at will relationship. It is the employer that spends the most time trying to market, talk about and sell the employment experience. So that's why we refer to it as employer brand.
0: Got it. Okay. Now, employer branding, where is it heading? What's what do you think will happen in the next, let's say, three years?
1: There's a couple trends that I see. One is a trend towards research, for sure. Organizations, I think, are really starting to see the value of research and understand the value, especially of the qualitative research, supplementing the rigorous quantitative data that they already have from um, you know the, the systems that they have, the data that they have, et cetera. Um, Trend number two is focusing on the idea of sources of influence. I've been talking about source of influence for quite some time um, and probably not loud enough because people are still talking about source of hire. But if we pay attention to the influences that happen along the employment journey from interest or awareness of an employment opportunity all the way through to transitioning out, we can better market and brand our opportunities. I think that's the second trend that's starting to happen. And third is technology. And this trend is a little bit worrisome to me because I will say I'd be a very rich person if I had a dollar for every new technology that claims to be able to develop or change your employer brand. Mm. Um, Brands aren't built on a system or a single piece of technology. Um, The world's best marketers and brand leaders will tell you that. Um, And so A lot of these technologies are really valuable and they can help you execute. They can be a channel strategy for you. They can be a tool for measurement and for helping to activate your brand, but they cannot single-handedly build your brand. And so it's a trend that I think is really important, but it's also one that concerns me quite a bit um, and one that we talk quite a bit with our clients about because we want them to be aware of all of these technologies, but we don't want them to think that any single technology is going to save the day for them or manage their brand for them.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I see a lot of um, technology, especially in the recruitment marketing space, which uh, you know, a lot of automation and CRM mm-hmm. slash ATS uh, uh, solutions and so on but i think cracking employer brand itself uh with technology yeah i haven't seen any anything that uh, has blown my mind away um great final question where can people learn more connect with yourself susan and also tell our listeners about uh, the facebook group that you run
1: Sure. So, um, always happy to talk about employer brand. I know, as you probably heard in the beginning of our conversation, I think a bit differently and look at employer brand a, a bit differently than some other really well respected leaders in the space. Um, so, always happy to have those conversations. I think that comes from me being in house for so long mm-hmm. um, and having that perspective. Um, you can find me at exaquio.com. You can email me, Susan at exaquio.com. And I'm on Twitter at Susan Lamont or LinkedIn. Uh, Susan Lamont as well. Um, And in part of our commitment to the community, um, our team has all been in-house and we've all been in roles managing brands. And so we all want to give back to the employer brand community. So there's a couple of things that we do um, to support the community. One is the employer brand forum on Facebook. Um, it's actually called the employment brand forum. Um, uh-huh. I'm one of, I, I, inherited leadership of the forum. Um, Josh Swede created it. Um, and Lise Cervenka of the muse and I co-manage it. Um, it is for pure employer brand practitioners. It's a closed community. You can search employment brand forum on Facebook and both Lisa and I, um, monitor the people who request to join. And if you work in employer brand, um, we are happy to add you. There's a couple questions you'll get asked. It is a no-sales zone, um, so there's no selling to anyone on the forum. It's meant to really be conversation and a place where people can go and ask questions, um, but it's absolutely a no-sales zone.
0: Yeah, so it's the Employment Branding Forum, and it's a good group, about 500 members, and they're very, very useful for sharing um, um, best practice, for sure. Thank you so absolutely. much. Thank you so much for your time, Susan.
1: And thank you for having me. I enjoyed our conversation today.
0: All right, I hope that was useful. Everything Susan and I discussed will, of course, be in the show notes article, which you'll be able to find at employerbrandingpodcast.com. Right, my favourite part of the show is where I give someone a little shout out on the actual podcast because they have been kind enough to share the podcast on social media. This week's shout goes out to Miriam Aguado at People Matters your one-stop shop for all things people management consulting in Madrid, Spain. So thank you very much, Miriam, for tuning in all the way from Spain. Find her on LinkedIn and, of course, on Twitter. And her handle is Mira Aguado. Mira Aguado. Yeah. Now, if you'd like to be mentioned on the podcast, just do the same as Miriam. Just share the podcast on social media somewhere. I'll find it and hopefully give you a shout out. Thank you so much in advance. Now, in other news, so last week I did a presentation here in London about how to measure your employer brand. Yep, it was with the guys at uh, Enviable Workplace and Perkbox. And uh, yeah, it was a, just a free morning event and really covering the Link Humans approach to the very difficult subject of making employer brand tangible and measurable. Now, not sure if it was the croissants, the venue or something else. But the presentation was very well received. So much so that we're doing it again. Yep, on the 6th of December. You've got a second chance to be in attendance. Same place, same content, probably different audience. Or feel free to return if you were there on the first one. If you'd like to come along to this, just get in touch with me. And the best way to do that is to ping me an email at Jorgen, J-O-R-G-E-N, at linkhumans.com. Or feel free to get in touch regarding anything else as well, of course. That's it. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Employer Branding Podcast. I hope to catch up with you next time.
1: Hey, då! Did you hear about the forecast for the rap concert? Nope. They're expecting a little Wayne.